uh, tribute from Capos players this show to all of the athletes that took part, part in the Olympics. Actually, during the closing ceremony of the London Olympics, um, there was uh, a part where they had a video from Freddie Mercury at a concert they had uh, back in the 80s at Wembley Stadium. Uh, I think it was pretty cool, and it was also pretty cool at the closing ceremony that they had a lot of um, uh, the best bands that um, that had come out from Great Britain to actually either play or have a mention or have a part during the closing ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics. And talking about the Olympics, um, I think that the best athletes, there were two athletes that um, were on top of the Olympics. One of them, of course, Michael Phelps, who um, again had more medals than most countries <laughs> combined during the whole uh, during the whole Olympics. Michael Phelps, who is now the the athlete with more medals in the history of the Olympics, uh, he has 22 uh, medals. Out of those 22, 18 are gold medals, which is just really really impressive. Um, outstanding performance by Michael Phelps, no doubt, during the Olympics. There was uh, some controversy after the Olympics if uh, uh, there, was, there might be a chance that they take away some medals from him because of uh, he did a couple of uh, he did a commercial apparently, or that's what they were saying that he made a commercial during the Olympic Games, and that's not allowed by the rules of the Olympic Committee to actually do. Um, promotions or uh, some sort of commercials for your sponsors. It's not allowed during the uh, Olympic Games, but then it was said that that was actually before the Olympic, ga Olympic Games happened. So apparently nothing's going to happen and he's just going to keep his medals. And um, it, it seems like totally unfair if the medals are taken away from him. Uh, the other athlete that was really outstanding, it's probably the fastest man on earth, uh, the world record holder and also the Olympic uh, record holder, Usain Bolt, the Jamaican um, runner who destroyed all of his, uh, you know, uh, he destroyed all the competitions he took part of, and he's just uh, ridiculously fast, incredible. Uh, he's, he's really, seems like a really arrogant guy, especially if you read his, his tweets, uh, saying that he's the, um, the best athlete alive. Uh, I mean, in his sport, of course he is, but I mean there's other other athletes that are also really outstanding, such as, as Michael Phelps. So I think that's the most outstanding, or this is what the people in the production of Capos Players think, Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt were the two big stars during the London Olympics. Uh, for a Spanish-speaking uh, people who are listening to us. Uh, pensamos que los dos atletas que destacaron más en las Olimpiadas fueron sin duda Michael Phelps en la natación y Usain Bolt, el jamaiquino, en, en eh, los eventos de, 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 de atletismo, perdón, en correr, en los cuales se llevó varias medallas de oro el jamaiquino y es el actual eh, no solo campeón olímpico, sino también el... el, el el que tiene los récords mundiales y los récords olímpicos, al igual que Michael Phelps que consiguió eh, con las medallas que consiguió en estas olimpiadas llega a 22 medallas 
eh, de las cuales 18 son de oro, impresionante, hubo por ahí una, una pequeña polémica después de los Juegos Olímpicos de que si se le entregaba o no, o si se le quitaban algunas medallas a Michael Phelps debido a, a un aparente a, promocional que hizo durante las Olimpiadas. Esto, eh, en, en cuanto a las reglas del Comité Olímpico, no está permitido eh, hacer ningún tipo de comerciales durante los Juegos, pero luego se aclaró que eh, esto no fue, eh, o esta promoción que hizo él para, para uno de sus patrocinadores no fue durante durante la competencia. So that's, that's, that was some of the most outstanding stuff that happened during, during the Olympics. Uh, talking about football or soccer, the sport that we most talk about here at Capos Players, uh, the U.S. women national team was able to take gold again. Yeah, it did it in a really fashionable way, especially in the semifinal against Canada, even though, I mean, the ref kind of helped, helped them there to score the tying goal, uh, the 3-3 goal, and then on the extra time they were able to beat Canada four goals to three when there was only one minute left and it was, uh, it seemed like they were going to go to penalty case to decide uh, to decide who was going to make it to the final. And superstar and really beautiful girl, Alex Morgan scored the header for the 4-3 and uh, with that header, the U.S. made it to the to the final where they played Japan. Japan uh, is a world champion in women's soccer. We remember last year in 2011 they actually beat the U.S. in penalty kicks. Um, but this time the U.S. women's national team took revenge and actually beat Japan in the final uh, with a final score of 2-1. And in the end, uh, Hope Solo, the goalkeeper for the for the women's national team, made a great save there in the end and. That's how the U.S. took the gold medal in in soccer, in women's women's soccer. Um, talking about the Olympics, we just talked about uh, what happened with Michael Phelps and with um, Usain Bolt, and uh, we also talked about what happened with the U.S. women's national team who won the the gold medal. And now it's time for talking about what happened in men's during the Olympics in men's soccer, where the Mexican national team um, was one of the biggest surprises in the tournament and made it all the way to the final and actually took the gold, beating Brazil two goals to one in the final. Um, some of the favorite teams uh, before the tournament were uh, Spain, which as you all know is the EuroCup uh, champion and, as, and the World Cup champion as well. Uh, obviously, they have. It's not the the uh, the senior team. It's the under 23 team. But still, it's one of. If you see player by player, they're still one of the best teams in the world. The under 23 team of Spain, and they had an awful, awful tournament. They lost their first two games. They uh, by the end of those first two games, they were already eliminated, and they tied their last game. They weren't even able to score in those first two games. They they lost one to nothing on both games against Japan, and then against uh, even a bigger surprise, they lost one to nothing to Honduras. Um, one of the other teams that uh, was really disappointing during the tournament was um, the European team of Switzerland, which is the under-19 and I believe under-21 champion in Europe, and but they couldn't do anything at 
uh, at the Olympics with the with their under 23 team. Uh, they were actually eliminated on the group stage as well. So those two, the Spanish and the Swiss and Swiss team, really disappointing in the soccer tournament at the Olympics. Uh, Brazil, which was the big favorite, uh, Brazil has never won the gold medal in soccer, which is the only tournament that Brazil, uh, soccer-wise, has never ever won. So they really, really wanted to to win this tournament. Um, this under-23 team had uh, a lot of uh, preparation before the tournament. They play a lot of friendlies uh, around the world, especially in the U.S. and in Europe, before playing the tournament to be ready. Um, but they couldn't do it. They made it to the final, but again, even though they were the favorites, they couldn't. They weren't able to beat the Mexican team, who uh, didn't even have the best under-23 players um, on the team. They had a lot of trouble putting putting this team together. So it seemed like the Mexican team wasn't uh, going to be able to even make it to the medals. One of the, um, before I keep talking about the Mexican team. Uh, there was another team that also was really disappointing, uh, which is Uruguay, South American team, who, who was uh, fourth place in the World Cup in 2010. And during this Olympics, it was, it seemed like they had a chance to make it to the uh, to the medals, but they, they they didn't even make it to group stage. Again, they had an awful group stage uh, tournament. They didn't even make it to the quarterfinals. And another disappointing team in Europe was. Uh, a team that never played before ever, uh, since England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland are actually different countries. But for um, for the Olympics, Great Britain plays as one team in all the sports. They never had a soccer one during during the tournament. But this time, since they were the hosts, they actually decided to put a team together. So it was not England or Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland. It was actually the UK men's national team, uh, soccer-wise, and it was thought that they would have a chance to to make it at least to the final. Uh, their captain was Ryan Giggs, which is a, a player of, uh, as you probably all know, from Manchester United, who has been in Manchester United for over 20 years, um, but has never played a major tournament with his national team, Wales, since it's. Uh, I mean, they've never qualified for a Euro Cup or for a World Cup. So for him, this, this, this was it at uh, national team levels. This was it for him. So uh, everybody thought that they were going to make it far in the tournament. But they only made it to the second round, to the quarterfinals, and they were eliminated there by a um, really surprising team of South Korea. So both South Korea and Japan did really good tournaments. They both made it to semifinals, and that's where they lost to Brazil and to Mexico. Mexico in a great game in the semifinals, uh, beat Japan 3-1. to one. Uh, Mexico team, um, as I said, didn't even have its best under-23 players. Chicharito Hernandez, who plays for Manchester United, a great striker, uh, was not allowed by um, Sir Alex Ferguson, the coach of Manchester United, to go to play at the Olympics. He wanted him to do the preseason. And then uh, Carlos Vela, who plays in Spain, was not, a, um, he didn't want to go. He wanted to do the preseason with his team, so he refused and he, or he declined to go to the national team. And Jonathan Dos Santos, who plays at Barcelona, the best, I mean, when I say he plays, I mean he's on the team. He doesn't get a lot of playing time, but it's on the best team in the world, which is Barcelona right now. And 
he didn't want to go. He also declined his invitation to go to Olympics. And the Mexican team had a, a I mean, during the Olympic Games, you were allowed to have three senior players on the team, like Brazil did and Uruguay did. Uruguay had Luis Suarez, Brazil had Marcelo. Mexico had uh, Oribe Peralta, which internationally is not a very well-known player, but nationally Mexico is one of the best players, probably the best forward right now over there. The Santos Laguna guy who scored uh, really important goals for Santos last season, and Santos actually won the championship thanks to that. Now he scores the goals, like really important goals for the Mexican national team during the semifinal and during the final games against Brazil, actually two, two goals scored by him in Wembley Stadium in the final against Brazil, what it's, it's what gave, gave the Mexican team the, um, the gold medal. The Mexican team had never even made a bronze medal in the men's soccer, so this is probably the biggest achievement the Mexican team has ever won in its history. Uh, for all our speaking uh, people or listeners out there, uh, this is Capos Players Spanish Sports Show, so uh, hablando un poco sobre el torneo de fútbol que de hombres organizado allá en, en, en jugado allá en, los, en Londres, en Inglaterra. Los equipos europeos bastante decepcionantes. El equipo suizo, campeón sub-21 en Europa, no pudo avanzar de la primera ronda. Eh, el equipo español, que sabemos a, a nivel mayor es el campeón o bicampeón europeo y campeón del mundo, no pudo avanzar de primera ronda tampoco, pero el equipo sub-23 de España, hombre por hombre, también es un equipo impresionante de primerísimo nivel y no pudo pasar de primera ronda. El equipo de la Gran Bretaña, que lo conforman los países de Inglaterra, Gales, Escocia y Irlanda del Norte, logró pasar a segunda ronda, pero en segunda ronda queda eliminado en cuartos de final en penaltis, uh, por, es eliminado por el equipo asiático de Corea del Sur, Corea del Corea del Sur los elimina y se mete hasta las semifinales, al igual que Japón, que de hecho le gana a España en la primera ronda, pero el equipo que acaba eliminando en realidad a España en la primera ronda es el sorpresivo equipo de Honduras, que luego en cuartos de final también sorprende, dándole un gran partido a Brasil, incluso con nueve hombres, y Brasil solo es capaz de ganarle tres goles a dos. Y el equipo mexicano realmente es el que, una grata sorpresa, ya que ni siquiera tenía sus mejores, o a lo que parecían eran sus mejores jugadores sub-23, como... Eh, el Chicharito Hernández, Carlos Vela o Jonathan Dos Santos, sin embargo con refuerzos de gran nivel como Oribe Peralta que no, no es tan reconocido pero en realidad tiene un gran gran nivel este delantero mexicano que juega para el Santos Laguna y con sus goles de hecho le dio el título al equipo de Santos en el fútbol mexicano y ahora le da el título olímpico a el equipo mexicano con sus goles claves y aparte, pues la verdad golazo sobre todo aquel contra Japón en las semifinales y me parece el segundo que le hace a Brasil el cabezazo es impecable, impresionante y el primero que hace en la final en Wembley, en el mítico estado de Wembley también un muy buen gol y aparte el más rápido me parece en la historia de, de Juegos Olímpicos en una final por lo menos en los 30 segundos tenía México arriba 1-0 Brasil se mete el partido al final pero no le alcanza so that's what happened on the men's soccer during the London Olympics. Um, we were just talking about the, the Olympics, I think, um, sports-wise, that was the most relevant stuff that happened during the, the Olympic Games. Um, the closing ceremony, which I talked a little bit about during the beginning, I think it was um, 
a really good one. I mean, some people didn't like it because they, they said it was more of just like uh, a music show. But I think a lot of um, a lot of the influence of um, the British culture on on the whole world uh, lately has been with its music. I mean, since the 60s, with you know the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Who, um, going through a lot of great bands such as. Um, the Stone Roses, Queen, uh, lots of them, lots of them, Oasis, of course, Radiohead, Blur, Muse, I mean, great bands, great, great bands that have come out from from the Great Britain. Um, going back to what's going on more recently, Lance Armstrong and its big controversy with the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. The U.S. Anti-Doping Agency uh, prosecuting Lance Armstrong, saying that uh, he he was he was doing some illegal drugs, uh, performance-enhancing drugs during his time in, in cycling when he won his seventh Tour de France in a row from 1999 until 2005. Lance Armstrong said he's not going to fight it anymore. He's not going to go to trial. He's done with it. He doesn't want to know anything about this. He said, uh, I know who won those Tour de France. Uh, every, the whole world knows. Uh, the other athletes that competed against me know that I won those titles. So I don't need the U.S. anti-doping agency to tell me that I, that I won them. I think he's right. I mean, it's been seven years since the last, one, last uh, Tour de France he won, 2005, when he retired, even though he came back later for a couple of years, maybe one year, and then retired again. But, I mean, it's seven years ago. They really have no proof of what they're saying that Lance did. And this Lance Armstrong, he's bigger than sports. He's the guy that, you know, was able to beat cancer, uh, came back from that, and has a record for winning through the France. And to, like, winning these uh, cycling competitions is not, not, easy, not easy at all. It's, it's just for literally Superman who can uh, go on cycling for miles and miles for over two weeks in order to win you know, Tour de France. And, uh, I mean, he's an icon. Lance Armstrong is more than a sports icon. He's, as I said, the guy that defeated cancer. So, I mean, I think Lance Armstrong has, has not lost any credibility at all. If any, the one that's losing all, all of its credibility is the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, who has no hard proof on what they're trying to say that Lance Armstrong did. So, I mean, because all of the uh, anti-doping tests that Lance Armstrong had during his career, either blood or um, uh, urine, he passed them all. And it's been a long time since then. You cannot just come back and try to prosecute a guy just, just because. I think it's pretty ridiculous from the U.S. anti-doping agency. And I think the one that should be investigated is the U.S. anti-doping agency. Why are they going after this guy after like so, so, so long after he actually retired? I don't know. It seems like there's something underwater that the U.S. anti-doping agency is not not telling us, not telling the public at least. Um, so that's a controversy with Lance Armstrong. I think he did the right thing. I mean, he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone anymore. He already did, and everybody knows he won those through the France. I think history will uh, 
will keep saying he won them. Doesn't matter what this this agency is trying to say now that he he didn't. Eh, en cuanto a la controversia con Lance Armstrong, eh, la agencia antidopaje de los Estados Unidos quiere retirarle o de hecho ya dijo que le retiró sus siete triunfos en el Tour de France que logró desde logró de los años de 1999 al año del 2005 siete títulos seguidos algo que nadie ha logrado en el deporte del ciclismo especial en el Tour de France y eh, pues esta agencia que se empeña en atacar a Lance Armstrong y lo castiga siete años después de que se retiró parece ridículo Lance Armstrong pasó todos sus exámenes, ya sea de sangre o de orina, durante su tiempo, se retiró. No puede ser que siete años después llegues y digas, no, no, esto no fue así. Me parece que ni siquiera tienen pruebas fehacientes de lo que de lo que, sucede, de, de lo que están tratando de decir, de que Lance Armstrong se dopó durante ese tiempo. No son más que puros dimes y diretes. Y me parece que la historia le hará, le hará justicia a Lance Armstrong, eh, representa mucho más que un deporte, representa el hombre que logró vencer al cáncer, no solo lo venció, pero regresó y estuvo, pues, se volvió un superman. Las pruebas de ciclismo son dificilísimas, duran dos semanas, son días de pedalear por las montañas, kilómetros y kilómetros, es dificilísimo. Me parece que la Santos está sobre eso y su decisión de dejar de pelear por algo que me parece ridículo, me parece que, que no tiene ni por qué defenderse de algo que que no que no tiene sentido, o sea, ya siete años después del retiro y todo, me parece que pésimo la, la actuación de, o lo, que, o lo que sea que quiera estar representando la agencia antiguo de los Estados Unidos. Without a doubt, Lance Armstrong will keep being the icon he is, even, uh, even his foundation, uh, who, by the way, is the cancer foundation who has uh, fundraised the most money of any cancer um, uh, foundation. Uh, the day before, the U.S. anti-doping agency announced that they were going to take all the Tour de France wins out of uh, the Lance Armstrong record. Uh, the foundation had about $3,000 in donation that day. The day after it was announced that the, agent, the anti-doping agency was taking away Uh, Lance Armstrong wins. They actually fundraised over $70,000. So that tells you pretty much what the people think about Lance Armstrong and about the U.S. anti-doping agency. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, and it's, I think it's pretty clear that the people and the fans uh, see Lance Armstrong as something bigger than just a sport, and they do believe in the credibility that Lance Armstrong built himself. Uh, So I think the one that, as I just said, the one that's going to lose all of its credibility is actually the anti-doping agency from the U.S. Um, talking about uh, about what's going on right now with soccer and soccer world, well, last week we had the uh, Spanish Super Cup first game between uh, El Clasico, you know, Barcelona against Real Madrid, where Barcelona playing at his at their field, no camp, they were able to beat Real Madrid three goals to two. Um, the third goal scored by Barcelona, which is a goal by Xavi, was an amazing play by Andres Iniesta. In this show we have talked about uh, a lot about like Messi being the best player in the world, and most of the times I, I agree with that for 2009, 2010, 2011. But now, not only for that one game, but 
I think Andres Iniesta is just the best player in the world. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo and you know Lionel Messi do extraordinary things, but I think Andres Iniesta does things that nobody else does, and it obviously reflects on the success of uh, his club team Barcelona and also of his national team Spain, because both Messi and Cristiano do great things, great things in their club teams. But once they go to international teams. I mean, they try, but they, they don't do the same stuff. Obviously, they, they also need some other players to help them. This is a team sport. But Andres Iniesta plays in Barcelona and in Spain, and he has success in both of them. And you will think in Spain, uh, Iniesta has uh, just as much support as, uh, uh, as, as he will have in Barcelona. But the truth is, uh, the Spanish team won the Euro Cup 2008 and the World Cup 2010 with a great defender like Carles Puyol and a great striker like David Villa. And for this Euro Cup, this summer, 2012, its best striker or forward, David Villa, was injured. He didn't play. He, he couldn't play. And then his, uh, or, and also their best defender, Carles Puyol, was also injured. So he wasn't there in the Euro Cup 2012 either. That means like their defense and their um, attacking of Spain were uh, were weaker than they were in 2008 and 2010. But what you still had on the midfield was Andres Iniesta, and they still won. So it's obviously Iniesta who like takes control of the whole game, and he makes every, every everyone around him uh, shine, which is the same thing that happens in Barcelona. He makes Messi shine. He makes the defense shine. He makes everyone shine. I think Aniesta is just extraordinary. He does things that not other players do. It's just like he's probably not as marketable as Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. But I think this year he should probably win, not only because Spain won again, or I mean Barcelona didn't have like its most successful year. But I think individually he's just the best player in the world. Um, most of the times I have defended Messi, saying he's the best. Uh, I do admit I have a a way more sympathy for Argentina than I do for Spain. But sometimes it's just, you can't say, you know, this is not the best player in the world, and he proved it last week against Real Madrid. He always appears in the most important moments with your extraordinary assist or goals or whatever. He's just, she's just amazing, I think. Uh, this Tomorrow is the second leg, which is going to play in Santiago Bernabeu. We'll see if Madrid is able to come back. Actually, they only need to win 1-0 or 2-1 in order to win the cup since, since um, um, away goals actually count, and Real Madrid scored two goals away. They lost 3-2, but if they win 1-0 or 2-1, then they will be the champs of the Spanish Super Cup. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good game, even though in the game in no camp, even though the score is 3-2, it's kind of... Uh, Deceiving. The score is kind of deceiving of what actually really happened on the field, where Barcelona, especially in the second half, was way better than Real Madrid. Actually, the score was three to one, and then a big mistake by Barcelona goalkeeper Valdez uh, made it three to two. Uh, I mean, great effort from Di Maria for actually going and put some pressure on to put some pressure on Valdez and taking the ball away from him and scoring the three to two. But still, I think Barcelona seen better. Uh, Real Madrid has had an awful start at the Spanish League with just one point after uh, being defeated last week by Getafe 
and on the first week they actually tied with Valencia one to one. So, I mean, Real Madrid has not had a, real, a good start at all. Uh, one point in the Spanish league, and they lost the first leg of the Super, uh, Spanish Super Cup. So, I think they have to make up uh, for those horrible games for them and try to win this Spanish Super Cup. Uh, Mourinho has. I'm pretty sure he's really worried about it. I mean, the season just started, but they already have a five-point difference in the league with Barcelona, which in the end could be uh, could be fatal for them for their aspirations to to win the league. And I mean, you cannot afford to be losing cups, even though it's only the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, you cannot be afford to losing Clásicos to to Barcelona every time you play them. So. I think Mourinho should be worried about it, and I think Madrid is going to go with everything to try to win this game. Uh, Real Madrid contra Barcelona, no se lo pierdan. Mañana se jugará el, el, el juego de vuelta. El juego de día fue la semana pasada con triunfo del Barcelona 3-2. a Y lo que estaba comentando ahorita en inglés que Andrés Iniesta me parece es el mejor jugador del mundo, sin duda, para este año debe ganar el Balón de Oro sobre Messi, sobre Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Eh, no solo por este partido pasado en el que realmente brilló Andrés Iniesta y ni siquiera metió gol, pero el tercer gol que es de Xavi, gran, gran asistencia de, de Iniesta en gran jugada de, del mismo Andrés. Me parece que España, con España, Ronaldo y Messi no brillan con sus selecciones como lo hacen en su club y se dice que pues es porque no tienen los mismos jugadores alrededor de ellos, pero Iniesta en la selección en 2008 y 2010 cuando ganan la primera Eurocopa y el Mundial del 2010, Tenía un gran defensor como Carles Puyol y a un gran delantero como David Villa. Para el 2002 en la Euro no, la, no tuvo a ninguno de los dos. Los dos estuvieron lesionados y sin embargo Andrés Iniesta logró sacar al equipo adelante y el equipo volvió a ganar la Eurocopa y no necesitó a su mejor defensa ni a su mejor delantero. Me parece que eso le da gran ventaja en el debate a Andrés Iniesta. Eh, particularmente he defendido mucho a Messi de que ha sido el mejor jugador del mundo y me parece que sí lo fue del 2009 al 2011, pero me parece que ya es tiempo de que o me parece que Iniesta ya lo, lo pasó, por lo menos en, en este año, por la simpatía que le tengo al equipo argentino, pues Messi es argentino, los españoles no, no son mucho mi simpatía, pero me parece que Iniesta lo ha pasado. So that's it for today's show. Remember, Capos Players is now on its full schedule, which is Tuesday at 8 p.m. Uh, we also have, my name is, your host is Hugo, which is me, But we're also having a co-host, Marco Lanza, who wasn't able to be here today, but he'll be here next Tuesday. Uh, remember, you can also follow us on our webpage, caposplayers.com, capos, K-A-P-L-O-S, players.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at caposplayers, capos again, K-A-P-L-O-S, players. You can follow us on Twitter as well, or log on to our webpage. So that's it for today. I'm